Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is a transformative time for Black America. Our income is at an all-time high, and the opportunity for economic empowerment is unprecedented. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. Build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Podpina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer, Chris Herring. Chris, how is your morning going? It's good. Uh, the games last night were entertaining. It had to be one of the more entertaining nights we've had in the NBA season so far, so it was pretty cool to watch. But how are you? I'm good. Shout out to Devante Graham. I That was just pure joy. That's why we watch, watch the NBA, shots like that. Incredible stuff. I very much enjoyed it. There was that, and then right before that too, there was Lakers Mavs with like eh. what did the, the what did eh. the game finish with like five or six straight <laughs> threes at the end? You know, they all went down, including Russ of all people. So like, it, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, it was a Mavericks game without Luca. So like, what do you really expect? Yeah. But you know, and it, ultimately it's the Lakers struggling to beat a Mavericks team without Luca. But it was still pretty cool to watch the ending and to go from that game. You know, it was one of those nights where. If uh, the NBA had a version of like NBA Red Zone or something like that, that would have been a pretty cool. Why doesn't sequence. the NBA have an NBA Red Zone? Like, what are we doing? Honestly, the last two seasons, I don't think you'd have enough games that would actually be shown. It's fair on <laughs> NBA Red Zone, like we, you know, seventy-one point blowouts or seventy-three or whatever. So, you know, you have to count your blessings where you find them. But uh, last night was pretty great. Yeah, I don't want to be a Grinch about Austin Reeves. Um, too much because that was obviously a very cool moment for him and I, I don't understand real quick how they didn't call a foul on that like he was basically tackled man got drilled I mean <laughs> I would have been proud if Michigan was tackling like that throughout the whole football season granted they were pretty good tackling so I'm not complaining but uh yeah he was tackled and it was very strange that they did not call that foul I mean 
yeah, very strange. Also, not the biggest fan of. I don't know why it's still like this now that I think everybody's back in person. The fact that Mike Breen's calls on the shots going down were like before the shots went in. Yes, yes. And I'm, I'm so kind of like, don't that. do that when you've got like such great, you know, like the intrigue is so high, and it's like, oh god, I know. Uh, you know, a quarter of a second before the shot goes in, then it's going in because Mike Breen says, bang, you know, it's a little bit annoying, but whatever. When uh, Maxi Kleber banked his in, it was yep. like a, f- it felt like it was like a full half second before it went in. So I was like, what, what is going on? Am I the only person who's mm-hmm. getting this feed? But I'm so no, glad me you said too. that because I was going crazy. Um, Wonderful stuff. So we have a lot to talk about on today's show, Chris, and I want to hop right into it sooner than later. But before we do, a quick reminder to our listeners to keep sending your wonderful emails into openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. All right, so I want to start with some news before we open up the mailbag. On Wednesday, the Utah Jazz hired Danny Ainge as the CEO of Basketball Operations. This was long rumored ever since he left Boston, but now it's official. And I just want to get your reaction to this. Like when you first heard the news, what was your opinion? And also in your view, just how big of a deal is it? First thought was, damn, Chris Mannix told us months ago this might happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like a second thought. Was yeah. Pretty, I was like, you know, I don't want to like get too in the weeds here, but like he called that like... It's like literally five months ago. I don't even know. But anyway. yeah, which shout out. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. It, I I think it is a big deal. Um, it's also really unusual that you see changes or additions of that magnitude to teams that are like rolling. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, even before the season, you know, like I said, I thought that the Jazz were, you know, they're basically my favorite to come out of the West before the season started. So. It's a pretty good core that you're dealing with. It's not like it's a rotten situation. Um, it's a guy going home, essentially, as far as having played at BYU. Um, and, you know, clearly, I imagine if Mannix had the scoop on this, or, you know, at least was telling us about it, that there was some degree of that at play. Uh, that, you know, something that Danny Ainge knew that he wanted. It was before Danny Ainge was out of the situation in Boston. So, from that standpoint, it it, it is something that, you know, at least some people saw coming. Um is it a big deal? Probably, but it's interesting because, again, since the Jazz are in a situation where they could theoretically win the whole thing, do they have the best net rating in the league? They're very close to it if they don't. Tied. They're tied right now. So, I mean, it's very feasible, you know, as much as some people would not think it is for them to win a title. Um, I think the question becomes if, if they don't, what what happens? And then I think it does become a really big deal because – as we've seen before, Danny Ainge is not necessarily reluctant to switch things up, um, you know, depending on what the situation is. And this is a core now that for a while has been together. Um, so I think that's kind of the thing is, you know, I think anybody's probably a little bit more reluctant to do that if you win the whole thing. But if they don't do that after all the chances they've had, what sorts of shakeups happen? I mean, I think, yeah, to your point. Anytime, in, in my opinion, anytime one of the most successful executives in the league is hired by a team that's really good, but that's also on the precipice of major change, if they disappoint again, it's like a really big deal. So that was my read on it. And I sent a text to someone when I first, when the, when the news first was in my phone, 
when I got the either the Woj notification or whatever, I sent a text or I was in a DM thread or something with some friends who work who are writers, and my snap reaction was "Bye bye, Rudy," <laughs> and yeah, that's probably not like the most fair way to. Um, and I, I mean, I was like half joking because I agree with you. They could win the title. If they win the title, he's not going to trade Rudy Gobert, obviously. And if they get to the finals, you know, you'd probably have to rethink some things. And a lot, a lot of stuff can happen between now and then, of course. But my take was just like uh, Danny Ainge did not draft Rudy Gobert. Danny Ainge did not watch and oversee Rudy Gobert's development. Um Danny Ainge did not give Rudy Gobert his massive contract. And just as someone who's watched very closely the moves that Danny Ainge has made and the players that Danny Ainge likes, the Celtics have never had a player like that, really. Like, besides Rob Williams most recently, and they kind of, he fell into their lap late in the draft. So just really interesting that he's there. They're very good. He's, um, you know, I think he's he's obviously criticized for all the deals he doesn't make, but he's also very, I think he is an active GM. He's always looking to shake things up. I do think that he makes a ton of phone calls. And it'll just be fascinating before the trade deadline to see how active Utah is, because in my opinion, they should be one of the more active teams heading into the trade deadline. They need some stuff, even though they've been very good. And... In the vein of them being very good, Ainge called the Jazz truly special when he was hired, which I think they, they are. But do you feel like they're underrated right now at oh, all? Yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, I, I still remember, you know, doing some podcasts saying that they were my favorites to come out of the West. And people were like, really? And it's kind of the reaction I had, you know, when you and I talked. And, you know, maybe you know, I guess we have to split the baby with regards to the conversation you and I had about the Sixers. <laughs> And why they weren't playing on Christmas. I'm like, anytime a team is a one seed, and they mostly look the same. And I know the Sixers do not, you know, for the Simmons reason. Uh, the Jazz were the same team with reinforcements brought in. With with solid reinforcements brought in, in my opinion. With Pascal and Rudy Gay. And, you know, love him or hate him. Hassan Whiteside is, you know, a, a capable enough backup, I think, for most he's teams. Lo- he uh, looks really good, too. He's looked he's playing, solid like, what, 12, 13 minutes a game. Like, he looks... Great They're limiting the minutes, and you know he's he's basically just doing his job, and he looks solid. I mean, and th- think about it. I think the the reason that Hassan Whiteside, I think, got the reputation he had, among other things, obviously, um, is that it, you know when he kind of came to prominence in the NBA, he got a max deal. Mm-hmm. You know, the same way that we thought about like Andre Drummond with those sorts of contract numbers. Your feelings need to change with these guys when they're making very little money. And he's doing more than doing the job as a backup. They've been great. And I think really, again, teams that kind of get to the same point every year and then falter lose credibility with league-wide observers, certainly ones that really don't want to see them win anyway, which I think that's very true of the Jazz. I don't think the Jazz have many fans outside of Utah. Um you know, a lot of people feel differently <laughs> about Rudy Gobert. Um, so, so I mean, it, it, it kind of goes without saying that they've gone under the radar, not to mention that the team that I think also normally would go under the radar went on basically almost a 20-game win streak, which has kind of stolen the rest of the leftover thunder from what the Warriors have done this season. So, 
yeah, I absolutely think they've fallen under, you know, beneath the radar. But also, it's bound to happen in some ways when the best three teams in the league so far are all in the same conference, which that's pretty rare too, at least so far. So it's been a weird year from that standpoint. But I absolutely think that they've gotten less credit than they deserve. Yeah, like I, I just think it's kind of messed up how little we talk about them and. Some of that on this show is just because Rohan gets really upset whenever I say they're very good, but I, I don't think they're. I don't think they're perfect. Like I, I as I said, I, I believe they absolutely should look to add some some um, superior perimeter defenders at the deadline. Agreed. Like that's that's always been their Achilles heel, in my opinion. I know a lot of people look at Rudy, his offensive woes, his defensive shortcomings, and I just see like okay, Royce O'Neal, and then what? Who do you have? A lot of pressure anybody? after that. A exactly. lot of pressure on him specifically because there's not much after that. Yeah. Yeah, but like to all the things that you said, like they're just obliterating teams this season. As we mentioned, they're first, they're tied for first with the Warriors now in net rating. Basketball Reference has this stat called Simple Rating System that's essentially net rating, but accounts for strength of schedule. And the Jazz right now are eighth all time at plus 10.42. They have the best offense in NBA history right now with the fifth best defense this season. And I also think that people overlook the injuries that they suffered in last year's playoffs. And I don't think it's an excuse. It's just a reality. Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley were on the floor in that Clippers series. But they if you were watching it, like they clearly weren't Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. And Donovan Mitchell's talked about He's like not able to jump. And it's like he's he's athleticism is a huge part of his game. And Mike Conley it matters was just, just a little bit. Just a tiny yeah. bit. And Mike Conley, who was an all star last year, made an all star team for the first time in his career, just was a shell of himself in the playoffs for uh for health related reasons. So you could say that he's getting up there in age and this is what you can expect, or you could say that was some bad luck and this year, if he's fully healthy, they'll look different. And I think I just think that this is a variable that people should acknowledge a little bit more instead of dismissing. Um, and when I say people, I, I just mean Rohan. Dismissing nuance, the Utah Jazz. you monster! Why would you <laughs> ever know. ask for such a thing? <laughs> I know who am I? Um, okay, do you have anything else to say about the Jazz, or can we move on to the next bit of news? I, I think we could move on. I mean, I think they are self-explanatory, and um, interested to see if they can stay healthy. Like you said, what they add. Because, I mean, they, they were a contender before the season started. They've looked the part and then some. Uh, and I, I think it will be interesting to see what other people notice as the dust settles after everybody's enthralled by Golden State. But there's more than that, certainly in the West, um, but also throughout the league. And Utah's right at the top of that list. Quick yes or no. Is, is Utah still your pick to come out of the West? Yep. Okay. I love it. I love it, Chris. I love that consistency. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? 
I've, I've lost count. Or shoot that, shoot that. And even checkouts not until four, so because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and four p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com/slash-with-amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March, and ex. Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... You buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold this value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Okay, let's move on. I want to talk real quick about, uh, I wrote this piece uh, on the site that was kind of a build off of a conversation we had in our last episode about how December 15th, which was yesterday is a day where a lot of players who recently signed contracts in the off season become trade eligible. And one of those players, the number one most interesting player in my opinion is Kemba Walker and the Knicks are one in seven since Kemba Walker was removed from the rotation. Uh, they have the 29th defense in the NBA since he was removed from the rotation and, you know, I'm watching the Steph Curry, the magical Steph Curry game where he breaks the record and I'm, I'm sitting on my couch shedding a tear. And it's like I completely forgot that Kemba Walker was even on the team and then they showed him later in the game still on the bench despite all of the – there's a ton of players and health and safety protocols for the Knicks. And you would just think that it makes sense to play him – over rookies and younger players for a team that you know he's not on a veteran minimum contract and like you paid him because you think he can help and he was shooting over 40 percent behind the three-point line I understand the on-offs and all that but like why is he still out of the rotation I guess is the the question I have here and is it because the Knicks just like don't want him to get hurt before a potential trade just like how how weird is this really on the weird scale, maybe like a three or four. I feel like my, my answers to your like on one to ten are always like the low end. I, I, maybe, I don't know if maybe I'm just not a panicky person or someone that doesn't, you know, that it takes a lot to kind of get a rise out of. Um, I mean, keep in mind what you just said a minute ago. Their problem is their defense. You know, 29th in defense since they removed him from the rotation, which I think if you're Kemba, you probably are like, hmm, how you like me now? But at the same time, like, you're not helping with the thing that the team is still struggling with. Now, you could make the argument that you weren't hurting it, but I think we all know, like, Kemba wasn't helping it. 
And I'm pretty sure if you looked at the numbers, like the defense was even worse in those minutes where Kimba was there um, defensive rating-wise. It, it was either sure. the same or close or maybe worse. So, you know, offense, it hasn't been their problem. Like they've basically been like a league average, slightly below league average offense over that eight-game stretch. Kimba ain't helping their defense. And the thing that's consistent about their rookies, those guys give – good effort defensively they're they're pretty big guys they're pretty solid guys just as, as far as strength and everything like that that run up and down the floor that really get after people Quentin Grimes is a guy that really works his tail off with the screens which you know a lot of their fans have been clamoring for him to get more minutes anyway um so big, I mean I, what Quentin I think it shows fan. again is that there's a lot wrong with the team outside of Kemba that's obvious um I think you know Fournier is is one of the massive questions they've got um, I think Fournier was always less likely to kind of be out of the rotation than Kemba just because Fournier is younger. Well, I don't know if he's younger. They might be the same age. Kemba's aged, obviously, <laughs> in not a great way. But Fournier has a bigger, longer contract, and so there's more there's more incentive for you to really figure it out with him and to figure out a workable situation with him because I don't think you can get off his deal this quickly. Um, but, you know, I, I get it. I, I would be frustrated if I was Kemba, if I was – a big supporter of Kemba's, you know, he's one of the more popular players in the league. Nobody dislikes the guy. Um, it's been a, a crappy situation for him, obviously, but I also don't know that he's the answer there. And I think both of those things can be true at the same time that, yeah, they haven't played better with him out of the lineup, but also I, I don't know that there's anybody that thinks he's clearly the answer to why they have struggled since because they weren't playing well before either. Yeah, no, you make a really good point about the defense, absolutely. I think for me it was just jarring to see – Sure. Miles McBride on the court instead of Kemba Walker. And Jamal Crawford tweeted that it was just outright disrespectful what they were doing there. And it just it caught my eye and it made me, of course, think about the trade market and there has to be in my eyes. It's just like Miles McBride isn't a better player than Kemba Walker. And if you're the Knicks, are you really trying to like just you know, I saw this from some Nick fans on Twitter, but it's like we have to play our young guys, get them, you know, minutes and experience. And it's like you were the fourth seed last year. Aren't you like building on something? You just signed someone, your best player who was an all NBA on the all NBA team, second team all NBA to a hundred plus million dollar contract. You're not like rebuilding. You know what I mean? Like. They've just got an that important that stretch coming, man. I mean, like where they've got to make some decisions, some real big decisions, I think, about are you going for this or are you just going to try to – do you sell off some parts because you, you ramped this thing up or at least thought you were. Um, and shout out to you. And I think, you know, I think most analysts kind of went this direction with the Knicks during the offseason where they were like this team is primed to regress. Um, and you've seen it. And, you know, I think that for me when I said I thought that they could be as good and that it wasn't a fluke, I'm still not completely sure. I think it was a complete fluke. Um, but, you know, there were going to be some challenges to really stay where they were or even in the same ballpark as where they were um, in order to maintain what they were last year. And I thought that Kimba and Fournier, that maybe it would help for them to some extent to not have to do everything, but make it easier for Randall, for RJ. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, like you said, the health and safety protocols have made them even thinner, which is why you were saying, how's Kemba not even part of anything? But, um, you know, if those guys weren't going to make life easier, and in some ways maybe they made it a little bit easier here and there, but making it 
harder defensively. Mitchell Robinson has not looked the part. There's just no identity there, and I think a lot of people expected the defense to be the identity. You feel like you take Kemba out of that, and maybe you get back to that defensive identity. It's still not been the case, which I think speaks to their center rotation being really thin, not good enough with the way Mitch has played. Um, you know, Nerlens Noel was the one question mark I think a lot of us had as far as some of the big money deals they did this year with the years. So I don't know. It, it, it's a little bit surprising to me, but not as much to everybody else. But if they don't turn it around at all and don't show any life at all these next few weeks, when the trade deadline comes, you got to be thinking about making a move. If not before, now that you can, you're eligible to do it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Kemba's trade value should be a little bit higher on his current contract than it was on the max Boston had. You know, Boston had to use a draft pick to get off of that deal. It was atrocious. Um, I don't think it's super. His trade value is super great, but I proposed a fake one, a fake trade in my column, and I just want to run it by you very quickly, and we don't have to spend too much time on it because I have a feeling it it wasn't uh, received all that well on um, <laughs> on Twitter when I, I tweeted it out yesterday, <laughs> surprise, but. Surprise. <laughs> but like there's these rumors that the Knicks are interested in Ben Simmons there's a lot of t- I mean half the league is involved in these rumors so whatever but I'm looking at Kemba I'm looking at I'm just looking at the salaries that they have and I'm looking at the Sixers situation and what they need or could use in the short and long term and just what do you think about uh Kemba Fournier and Barrett plus Two, so they, the Knicks have these two protected first round picks from the Mavs and I think the Hornets in 2022 and 2023, including those two picks for Simmons. And it's what I don't like about it is like I'm not high on Barrett. I don't think Fournier is good in the playoffs. Kemba is a defensive liability, although probably less of one, honestly, if you played him as like your backup point guard. And you had, you know, you have Matisse Thibel, you have Danny Green, you have Joel Embiid. You have this cocoon around him that I think is fine, that doesn't make him unplayable. But the picks aren't the juiciest. I think you could potentially get a better package elsewhere. But just what what are your thoughts on this as a potential package that the the Knicks could offer and the Sixers could engage with? I don't I don't think the Sixers want that. You know, I um. Who are you just down they, on? Is it because you're down on Barrett, or what? Or what are your what's your rationale? No, I think it's that you're not you're not sure exactly what Barrett is. Does he project to be a star? Um, does he develop more consistency? I mean, he's he's not a. I mean, I had him in my top 100, which um, I think I was the only one of the group that that did. And obviously, we know one of our colleagues. One of our well, not not for me because I wasn't. You know, I didn't fight super super hard for it um you know but there was someone in our group that felt very strongly no names uh uh you know who i'm talking about um i i I don't know what he is yet and i don't think it's like a definitive thing that he becomes a star he's still young uh so he could be but i i think it's more like the other two pieces aren't if it's a straight up trade you're certainly not doing it um but also if I'm the Knicks, and maybe this isn't fair, and maybe this is kind of a Yankees way of thinking, um, and it's not to, to knock them at all, but like, are you sure you want to deal with Simmons 
and in that media market specifically. Like, you think Philly's tough, and it is. It might be tougher than New York as it relates to basketball or just sports in general, not that the other fans get a pass. Sure. Um, New York is a tough fan base where, uh, you know, I think that they, they will shower love on you. They did it with Kemba. And quite frankly, I think they still love Kemba. I think they just, it's just, it is what it is. But I wonder a little bit about, you know, we have not talked about this at all with regards to the mental health stuff. I think it's a very delicate conversation. Um, some people have said, you know, I think that maybe Ben Simmons isn't being honest about that, or maybe they're just using it as a, as something, you know, a piece to use in the media. I'm, I'm not an arbiter of that. I would rather not really question things like that if someone makes it an issue or says that it is an issue, but Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, if, if New York doesn't do well, I don't know that that's healthy for anyone's mental health, quite frankly, um, to be, you know, to be blamed for something not going well. Or just the pressure that comes with playing there, um, the money that he makes, which will be a constant reminder, which is a reminder right now. Hell, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know that it really works well for either team if it doesn't work out as far as the way it's received. Um, but if I'm Philly, I'm probably not real excited about that deal. I think there's probably something else out there better that helps you more immediately, where you don't have to worry about the ups and downs with Kemba and Fournier. I think Barrett would fit in fine there. Um, you know, where he would be, I mean, you could argue that he'd be, what, uh, a third, fourth option, which that's essentially kind of what he is a lot of the time now anyway, second, third, fourth option for the Knicks, depending on who's out there and how he's playing. But um, I don't, I'm not crazy about it from either angle. Who were you getting the most hell no feedback from when you, when you posted in your story? Mm-hmm. More, more was it more Knicks fans think, or Sixers fans? No, I, I think it's more Sixers. I think is, so too. Yeah. And, and I understand that. And you could sell me on all these different packages that are superior for sure. Um, I still just love like swapping him for Gordon Hayward, who had like 85 points in 16 minutes last night. Like, it, dude, just my man just, like, was adding, on fire. <laughs> he was incredible. But just like adding yeah. a player, you're not getting anything out of that slot, right? Like, I know. Add anything. But we'll see. I, yeah. I don't know. We, we say the same thing you. over and over again. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Okay, let's let's open up the mailbag. Um, we have this email from Soren. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I love this question, and I actually emailed Soren back um, when I first read it and told him we were going to answer it, and I, I I answered it in writing, which I almost never do. But it was damn, just me, like, you already me, gave him an answer. I know it got me like jazzed up. I don't know what I was thinking, <laughs> but I'm going to read it right now, and we can talk about it. <laughs> Soren writes, "Hey guys, so I have a frustration. I would like to get your take on. I am a little bit puzzled by how the Steph." Curry MVP case is being treated as an open and shut question. When ESPN's Tim Bontemps did his MVP straw poll, a mind-boggling 94 out of 100 voters had Steph at the top of their ballot, and it doesn't seem to have raised many eyebrows. However, when I compare Steph's numbers, both traditional and advanced, to those of KD, Giannis, and Jokic, there is nothing impressive about Steph's numbers, and in some categories, he's downright not that impressive. And all of this doesn't even take defense or defensive metrics into account, where he by far is the worst of the four. All of this is to say that I don't really understand why the MVP as of today doesn't seem to be a debate. In my view, this should be one of the most fun and intense MVP discussions in recent years. So am I just a loony conspiracy theorist or am I right to believe that Steph's eye-catching playing style and impeccable persona is perhaps distorting the discourse in his favor? Best Soren from Denmark. Uh, so, yes, this is a fantastic email. And it's something that I saw you engage a little bit with it on Twitter yesterday in the um, the, the Jokic aspect. Uh, and I'll just say, like, I agree with this email. Um, I had the exact same reaction when I saw the result to Tim's straw poll, which I love. I love... Um, Reading it every year, it's very fast. It's fascinating. And it just, my reaction to it was, is this really open shut? Like, why? Why are so, why are, is there so much groupthink right now in the media? And full disclosure, I was asked to participate in this straw poll. I did. Me too. I was one of six other media members who did not have Steph Curry first on my hypothetical ballot. I had Giannis first. I had Steph second. I had Kevin Durant third. So what are your thoughts here, Chris, 
about all this? And do you kind of agree with Soren and myself that it's... No, I I agree with his premise. Uh, I was part of it too. Uh, I, I think I generally always am. Um, I had Steph 1 and KD 2, Jokic 3. Um, so I get it. I mean, I also agree with the, the, the tweet that you were referencing yesterday that Zach Lowe on, was it NBA Today is the name of Malika Andrews' new show. Um, and... <laughs> It seems like Michael does not know what the name of the show is. Uh, um, no, I mean, you know, Zach made a very good point, and it was it was fascinating to me. And I know, you know, how much of stuff is just for television. You know that Zach had to repeatedly kind of shout, kind of not not you know uh, in a mean sort of way, but just it Perkins and um, Richard, Jefferson Richard Jefferson to just let him finish his point. Uh, he's like, no, stop, you know, because. He, Historically speaking, we have never seen really a season like Jokic's. I think the truth is, and I've always said this, and maybe this is a bad thing, and maybe this is contradictory from what the way I voted in the straw poll. I think a couple things. One, I'm not mining this stuff super closely just yet as far as like the Fair. nuts and bolts. Like a midseason, not even midseason yet, poll really doesn't matter, but I – just thinking about the way other people will vote here, it was very clear if the season ended today, there's no question Steph would win. Because I think most voters, to the chagrin, you know, much to the chagrin of a lot of people that just observe it and fans and stuff like that, and normally me, by the time we get to the end of the season, are going to vote on this in a very narrative fashion. It's why Jokic, people were frustrated with Jokic, although I thought he had a great narrative to win the award last year, um, as someone who was a, a second-round pick and winning the award and really that essentially never having happened before. Um, but I think honestly to win the award and back to back years, you have to be so undeniable at that point for most people, for the average voter that that's why you generally don't see it happen very much. Um, and in a year where, you know, Jokic, I, I had said well before the season ended, he was clearly the MVP. So I understand how to separate those things. But for a lot of people, he was not their clear MVP until everybody else got hurt. And so for whatever reason, and I've said this repeatedly, if it's that people just assume that the guy is not great or that someone, you know, they kind of look at him and say there's no way he could be great with the way he looks or the way he plays or the fact that he plays at a market that I'm not about to watch unless they're on ESPN or TNT. or I don't know what it is with people that they think that he can't defend. All those things are wrong. All of them. And he's been better than he was last year. There's no question that he has statistically. He has essentially gotten out to the exact same start except better than he did last year when his team struggled out of the gate last year. And he has less support this year than he had last year. And the numbers are ridiculous on off with him. So I absolutely think he deserves to be in the conversation. I had him third because I I essentially think KD is carrying his team in a way that people didn't expect him to have to do before all the Kyrie stuff came up, Harden has not been good. So KD has been otherworldly as well. But realistically, I think if if the season ended today, Steph would win in a landslide because the Warriors are elite again, and they weren't last year. And I thought Steph basically was deserving to be in the conversation last year, and he was. And had Steph's team been the way that they are now, Steph might have won the award last year, even though Jokic was having a great year. So I just think a lot of people are going narrative-based. I don't think Jokic really has a chance, even with these sorts of numbers, unless somebody gets hurt or unless his team takes off and goes on a run, which sucks. 
because he will absolutely be in my top two or top three if he continues to have the season. Quite frankly, I don't care if they have a losing record. He would probably be in my top three um, with the way that he's playing because there's nobody else on this man's team anymore, really. Aaron Gordon, uh, you know, Will Barton, shout out. Uh, but outside of that, man, like it's a really, really thin team. Um, and it is, you know, so to Soren's question, I hope we're pronouncing his name right. It's a fantastic question, but I think the league, and sometimes you get people that straight up admit it, people that I respect, people that I work alongside that just admit that they vote based on narratives. So, I mean, it, it's a pretty easy one for Steph and being back in the spotlight, taking a team that was crappy, you know, to being back in the title hunt, even without Clay Thompson being there. The guy that everybody has said, you know, is, is his running mate, basically. So it, it makes sense why it's trending this way. I don't like it. Um, I think other guys need to be in the conversation and could still win it. But I, I don't think they're going to if Steph and the Warriors continue to have this season. I just don't. Yeah, I mean, they're 23-5, and five, the Warriors are. The Denver Nuggets are 14-4. and four. And that's just going to be the, you know, if that holds up, despite – this, this, 14 the and that, 14 and not 14 and four what 14 and i'm 14, sorry 14, 14 and 14 and, my, my yeah bad, there you go bad. if they're 14 and um, four they probably would have had a lot of covid postponements but yeah, they'd that's be very true Jokic would be in that conversation if they're 14 and four <laughs> yes um you look at uh basketball references mvp award tracker which tracks the top 10 players most likely to win mvp nikola Jokic is first at 26% probability, Giannis is second, Steph is third, KD is fourth. Um, the Jokic thing is just, it's its really fascinating. Like, again, I picked Giannis, and at the time, Giannis was first in on-off differential, and I really value on-off differential when talking about value. That's the word in the award. Right. We're talking about most outstanding player, or, or um, you know, we have defensive player of the year, in my opinion, we should have offensive player of the year. In which case, how could you possibly argue against Jokic? Like, he would be... What he's doing is historic. He is better than he was last year in a lot of ways. The PER... I know PER is just one catch-all. But, but when you are so much better than the best PER season ever, I'm like, sorry. Like, it that matters. And it's important, and we should pay attention to it. The fact that he lifts up everyone around him because his passing is is genius matters. Not that Steph doesn't lift everyone around him in a different way, or Giannis, or, or KD, um, in their own ways. But the direct influence that Jokic has on the team is reflected in the on-offs right now in a way that is just eye-popping. And I also thought it was interesting, this is a slightly s- separate uh conversation but the athletic posted i don't know if you saw this chris the athletic posted this poll of 118 former nba players asking who the best player in the nba was yeah and, wow and Jokic received zero votes yep like what is ha- like i just think that that is like it's comical when we when we did our our round table for who who would you pick for to win one game uh, if you had to win one game seven of the finals, I guess it would be, who would you want on your team? And I picked Jokic. And it wasn't like, I didn't really think that hard about it, frankly. Like, he's just, he's he's on another level right now um, on both ends. And 
the fact that no players think that like players are what LeBron finished second in that poll, I think. And it's like, what league are you watching? <laughs> just, I, I, I don't, I don't understand um, that. No, I mean, I, I, it's come up before. Um, I'm not going to use the word xenophobia because I don't, I'm not going to go there without having done some reporting on that or having talked to players where I can sense that or or feel that. But I do think there's something to be said for the foreign guys. Um, Giannis Giannis was either second or third in the poll. I can't remember if LeBron was second. He was third. He was third. KD first, LeBron second. Giannis was third. Okay. Okay. So, you know, and, and just based on that, like, it would be hard to even say that that's part of it, you know, that xenophobia is part of it. Um, but I do think there's something to be said for, um, you know, if we're talking about Jokic, I think there is some of that, you know, sometimes with with people where people will ask their friends, you know, I think this guy is so cute or this girl is so cute. And they're like, well, they've got a really nice personality. People treat Jokic that way because he doesn't look the part to a lot of people. And there's that, you know, he... He's kind of aloof, you know, in the way he talks. And, you know, I don't know of anybody that, you know, I don't know. Like, I just kind of feel like there's something to that that for some reason, you know, I think guys like whether it's that maybe the Kobe stuff and the idea of like the killer mentality. I mean, Jokic has like either the aloof look or the like, I'm going to truck you look because you just hit me in my side. Or I'm going to, like, smack you, Cameron Payne, and almost take you out. There's, like, two modes, and that's it. But there's, like, not the killer. You don't see the killer mentality look on his <laughs> yeah, face. Yeah, it's, like, affability versus, like, a, a bull seeing red. Or, like, his two right. on personalities. That, that's all there is. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love the way he plays. I, I do think he has, like, a low tolerance for some stuff where he just kind of flies off the handle and he'd be better keeping emotions in check at times uh, for his team. But I, I, I do think there's something about that where I think players respect that. Um, and another guy that I don't think you saw on the list, uh, at least I don't remember, Harden, I don't know that he was. And Harden's another guy that, like, you talk about, no. like, a killer mentality. I do think NBA players respect that a lot, and I don't know that people know that Jokic has it or think that he has it. But just as far as, like, pound for pound, of which he's lost a lot of the last year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to argue against the guys, particularly when his defense looks better. Like, you can't really use that as a as a point that you're knocking him on the way that you used to. Offensively, I don't know that there's anybody better in the league. I, another guy that got votes in that was Embiid, and I don't really think Embiid is as good as Jokic anymore. Um, I no. just don't. You know, maybe it's the time he's missed or the fact that you know he's always going to miss time. But Jokic... You know, Jokic has played with less of a deck than Embiid has. Over I don't the think last... that's a conversation, frankly. Not I mean, anymore. You're welcome to de- you're welcome to debate it, but it's just you're, you'll. But be Embiid wrong. looks the part to most people more than than Jokic, and I mean, I think that's the case with all those guys is that they seem and look the part more than Jokic. Um, and I, I hate using it. I've done it with DeRozan. We've talked about the Bulls and why people didn't think the Bulls would be very good. To me. It's very clear that still a lot of people don't watch him or don't have enough respect to where they go out of their way to watch him because he's him. And I I think that speaks volumes about the fact of what people enjoy 
um, or claim they enjoy, and they don't see it. The, the athleticism is not there. The, the killer mentality is not there for people. And so I think it's a turn off, not to mention that, you know, you really don't hear from them unless something really crazy happens. And I, I wonder sometimes, like, his English is fine, but just, you know, the idea of people that go viral in the interviews and stuff like that, when he goes viral for stuff, it's like a goofy sort of line that he said. I remember asking him, you know, you, you make so many of your movements and your passes. I, I did a story on how um, he got like a higher percentage of his assists after holding the ball without dribbling or moving really after five seconds. Um, and he's like, well, I think mostly for me, it's I'm, I'm slow. And, you know, I'm just slow. I don't have a choice. I have to operate slowly. And it was really funny, but he said it in kind of like a, a self-deprecating way. And so I, I only hear his quotes when it's stuff like that. And, I, you know, I, so I just wonder if that's part of it. Um, and maybe it Personally, shouldn't be. Personally, I admire that. I admire humility. I don't need my athletes to, like, beat their chests and say that they're the greatest. That's just, that's just me. But, but more of them do that than do what he does. And, and I think it's the only thing – there's only two or three things I can come up with, and that's one of them. It's just that he's not – again, it speaks to the idea that he's not dominating stuff. Even though he is, to a lot of people he's not because it doesn't look like he is. And the way he does it is more chess than football. And I think these guys are more into like the dominance <laughs> of football. I was about to say checkers, but I was like, no, football will get the point home better. But yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me, but it's very clear the players do not regard him in that way. And I mean, you saw it last year too when like LeBron, and I want to say there are other guys too that were saying that they were stunned that certain people were getting more attention for MVP. It was very clear they didn't think he was the guy or that he was only the guy because LeBron got hurt and Embiid did as well. So... It's fascinating in a weird, strange way. Yeah, real quick to uh, check myself. I mentioned that roundtable before. That was for Western Conference players only. And for the record, I would have KD if I needed to win one game. That is the person I would want on my team because he would score 65 points and we would win. So I just want to clarify that before any emailers uh, correct me. Um, Okay, so real quick, who do you think is going to win the MVP? And then we'll move on. Steph, I mean, in, unless there's an injury, at this point, Steph might be able to miss 10, 12, 15 games. And if the Warriors stay on track with what they're doing, I think he benefits from the fact, too, that, again, the Suns and the Jazz are the next two best teams. Everybody else is just kind of there. They're not really dominating anything. But I don't, you know, the Suns have always had Paul and Booker, or not always, but in the last two years, have always had Paul and Booker, although Booker's out. Um, mm-hmm. Paul's probably not going to win it. And then you've got the Jazz, where they've got the same sort of thing between Donovan Mitchell and Gobert, and neither one having statistics on their own that are impressive enough to win the award. So I think Steph kind of gets a bigger gap and a bigger benefit from that, unless you're taking KD or Jokic or Giannis. But again, their teams for right now are not like so far out and ahead the way that the Warriors, the Suns, and the Jazz are. So I think it'll be Steph unless something really drastic happens, but... I, I think there's room for any one of those people to pass them in my mind or anybody else's, and I would understand. I think that, you know, we're very early in the season. Something, it feels like something will have to go wrong for enough voters to change their minds. And something go wrong, I mean, the, you know, there's an injury with Steph or the team just, the wheels fall off for whatever reason. I don't foresee that happening. Uh, so... If I had to guess, I, I would also say the same thing, even though I, I, I think it should be a more 
balanced conversation and a more balanced race with more people in it. But we'll see. Um, that's why we're here to try to muck up the narrative, Chris. That's that's why we exist. Um, okay. Uh, we have this email from Harry who writes, Hello, Chris. Go Blue. Go Michael blue. and Rohan. Michael Jordan's shoulder shrug in the 92 finals was essentially his way of saying it's just one of those days. A self-aware nod that we were witnessing an aberration. Yet nearly every single time Draymond Green makes a three, we have to endure the opposing bench stare down mixed with the Kevin Garnett invectives. As if to say, how dare you leave me open? You're 30% from there. You're not a splash brother. It makes me roll my eyes every time I see it. What small thing that many fans might not even notice really grinds your gears when you're watching games? Uh, Non-Lakers-related answers from Michael, please. Uh, Harry, thank you so much. This is a great email. Um, Chris, I'm just going to throw it to you. You tell me, you tell me where you want to go here. Um, well, first I want to start by saying I'm pretty sure if you go back, and I was trying to Google it quickly and can't find it, but I'm almost positive Draymond's first career three in the NBA – I think he got a technical foul for just like celebrating. I think you're right. I think you're right. If I'm remembering correctly, which is hilarious to me. (laughs) Just because like that level of excitement to where it spills over to a technical is just hilarious. Um, Mine, you know, uh, at the bottom of this, it says non Lakers related answers from Michael. He didn't put that um, proclamation on me. So mine is going to be a laker it's going to be russ when he he's had plays where he takes somebody into the post and done does, oh does like the baby yes. cradling Thank gesture Thank and you. i'm like come on man like this will be after russ has shot like one for 19 and i'm like come on man like come on man i mean i'll just leave it at that but it's like i don't i don't want to see anything from you it's very much it gives the same vibes as who was it? Was it Chase Claypool last week? I don't watch the NFL. Who was you? Don't either, right? No, uh, I'm like, who, what sport? I'm that that receiver from the that, that you probably saw that highlight though of that receiver from the Steelers that caught that first down with the, like 30 seconds left on the clock and the clock running and no timeouts and his team losing and he was like gesturing with the ball first down and his teammates were trying <laughs> to snatch the ball from him because the clock was running and they were about to lose. And it very much has that vibe where it's like if you shoot your team out of games every third night, you don't get to flex on people. I mean, just come on. You don't need to flex on people, let alone, you know, what Russ has accomplished in his career. We're like, I don't know. I, I'm not a respect the game person, but I'm also not a like, let, let's not gesture and, you know, and everything else if you're inefficient a lot. So it's not about respecting the game as much about respecting yourself sometimes. Yeah. I like real quick. um, Cause you brought it up. I didn't even bring up the Lakers, (laughs) but Russ talking about respecting the game. Was it against the thunder earlier this year when someone took a shot, the game was out. Yeah. Was it the dunk at the end of the game? It was was basically dunking at the end of the game. Yeah. He flipped out. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, this is a little different for sure, but I do notice when he does the rock the baby to sleep motion and it's like 30 seconds ago you posted this guy up and you took a turnaround that went off the top of the square on the box on the backboard and didn't <laughs> hit the rim. 
Yeah. So like, what was happening? Like, yeah. Did you forget about that? But he picks and chooses. Like he's selective. And you're right, because the Oklahoma City thing to me was embarrassing for him because I'm like, dude, you played here. Like, you <laughs> you you essentially made a name here. You chose to leave, which was your right. They were tearing stuff down around you. Um, but I mean, you 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 could have owned this place forever and would have. And chose to move on. These are the young guys that they're still trying to build into something since you left. Let them let them have their cake. Like you, you lost first of all, and you lost that game in which you had like a twenty-five point lead or whatever the hell it was. After you had already done that against them before, so like mm-hmm. just accept the L. And you know when you <laughs> put an L on somebody else, okay, fine, go ahead and celebrate. But like, don't get mad when people react to it. You know, or don't get mad yourself when people beat you on a given play or they beat you and they celebrate whatever mm-hmm. it is what it is so i i get mad when people can't just let it be when it happens um and then celebrate when it's their turn i don't like that agreed so for me longtime listeners know that i fast forward through free throws and commercials as much as i possibly can when i'm watching the nba there are times though when i can't do this and it is endlessly frustrating and in that vein, there are two or three fouls almost every time I watch the Philadelphia 76ers play where Joel Embiid just straight up flops in a way that is like, why did you flop? You didn't. Your team isn't even in the bonus. You didn't need to fall over. And there's a whistle. They call it every time. And... To his credit, if they're calling it every time, whatever. But, like, these plays have almost zero impact on the game's actual flow. Often they're not shooting fouls. And I'm just like, why? Why are we doing this? Why? Like, I, like you're huge. Like, I, every time Jeff Van Gundy calls a Sixers game and Joel Embiid, like, ducks in and then just dunks on, like, gets catches the entry pack, pass in the post and just dunks on whoever is on him. Jeff Van Gunny's always like, why doesn't this dude do this, like, every play? <laughs> that's, that's my reaction when I see him, like, okay, here we go. He's facing up from 16 feet. He's taking a fall away and falling over. And I'm like, what is, like, what is happening? Like, this is so, it's just so frustrating watching him play sometimes in, the, in, in his relationship to the whistle. And it's not the same as Giannis. Giannis draws his fouls coming at you forcing contact forcing you to hit him and just exercising his raw power and Embiid just his fouls are different and it is super frustrating um I don't know how we can take this out of the league in the way that we've taken some of the fouls that are called on Trey and I guess Luca too if you look at his numbers and some other guys um but let's let's I just want them to come down for Embiid as well because he's too good he doesn't need them they're very annoying um and I just they like damage my viewing experience when I watch the Philadelphia 76ers play basketball so I just want to get all that off my chest (laughs) it's off now (laughs) rest rest assured it's off your chest at this point I hear you I, I hear he falls a lot I mean I did a story on him you did uh, was it last year, two years in, ago. You were in New York reporting that. Oh, you were with me. You were there. It was you and uh, 
was your own also there i think too we were there covering was it a playoff series that they had against the nets at the time because i remember we were in brooklyn yes we were in i can't we were in brooklyn yeah their their practice might not have been in brooklyn but it was for that series and um it was i was was trying yeah i was trying so hard i you know i'd been assigned or i'd said i'm gonna do a story on how often joel Embiid falls down and i'd gone back and tracked every single fall he'd had over the course of the season how many times per game i'd cross-referenced it and looked at other people that fall a lot james harden kyle lowry Yusuf mm-hmm. nurkic all these other players that fall a lot to see if Embiid fell more than anybody else in the league and aside from watching every one of his falls and i was just like oh my god this is awful um but all i needed was like two minutes with joel Embiid and the sixers pr staff saying like yeah yeah we're gonna try we can't make any promises and then okay well you can get him here and then saying anyway doesn't matter i i had to go to like nine practices i tried to get him in like three different cities finally i got furious and i was like i'm going to just ask him a question you're gonna have to stop me from doing it like i just chased him down to an area where i wasn't allowed to go um but anyway yeah i did get it he does fall a lot a lot of it is on purpose he says that he did not admit to necessarily flopping but it is very clear that a lot of times it is and i think you answered part of it for yourself when you said that it always works he always gets the calls um he does it when they're not in the bonus which you know if it gets them closer to the bonus, it's still valuable from that standpoint. Um, but yeah, does it damage the viewing experience? Like it works, so they're not going to stop doing it. Him and the other players that you know that seek fouls that way. But you you have your answer that way. But I I get it. I'm never going to disagree with someone that says that this ruins my watching experience because I've got guys for me that it does get frustrating. I have to balance that with also understanding like I would probably do it too. If it helped my team and helped myself, but um, but it is frustrating to watch. I get you. You know what also helps your team? Those duck ins. When you're in the restricted area, when you catch the ball and then you turn and you dunk. I'm just gonna say that. Okay. Um, <laughs> yep. Fair enough. <laughs> Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes, Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've I've lost count. Or shoot that, shoot that. And even checkouts not until four, so because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and four p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com/slash-with-amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and. Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.
Hey guys, Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with the new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a Toyota truck you buy Toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com Toyota let's go places we're gonna move on now and <laughs> I just want to read we're gonna close with I'm gonna read these two emails packaged together and then we'll just kind of dissect them real quick Chris okay uh, right. they are both about the Celtics and uh Yes, so we're going to have a quick Celtics discussion. Okay, the first email comes in from from Benjamin, who writes, Hey, Michael, Rohan, and Chris, I have a question about what you all think is the missing piece from this Celtics team. When you watch them play, the team always looks a step slow, and defenses never look destabilized against them. Boston has basically whiffed on all of their first-round picks, save Robert Williams, since Tatum, and all of Boston's role players are weirdly one-dimensional and unable to create offense for themselves. All of this leads me to my question. What do you guys think of a De'Aaron Fox for Jalen Brown trade? Sacramento desperately needs an explosive wing player who can score 20-plus a night and play defense and has the point guard depth with Halliburton and Mitchell to survive losing Fox. In my opinion, Fox would be a game-changer for Boston. He would take the playmaking burden off of Tatum's shoulders, force the team to play at a higher pace, and a Fox-Time Lord pick-and-roll combo would be devastating. Who says no to this? So, Chris, I'm going to couch the response to that and read this next email, and then we can kind of tackle them together. Sure, go ahead. Uh, email from Darren, who writes, I'd like to hear a national perspective on what the Celtics should be doing. Something better than the local podcast perspective that suggests trading Al Horford to Golden State for Andrew Wiggins and multiple recent lottery picks. As crazy as it may sound, the clock is ticking fast on the Brown-Tatum window to build a contender. The Celtics are pretty perfectly mediocre, currently too good to draft high, and don't have a realistic path to contention. What type of moves should they be looking to make? Okay, so real quick, I'm going to circle back to... Uh, Benjamin's email about Darren Fox for Jalen Brown. And I think it, my response kind of ties into a little bit what Darren is saying. Um, I, I think if you're the Celtics, you don't necessarily, I, I, I'll start by saying, I do not think that, and this is a narrative that is being pushed left and right all over the place about Jalen and Tatum being unable to coexist as the two best players on a team are two very critical, um, you know, the, the, the first and the second options on sure. a very good team, that they cannot coexist. I, I could not disagree with this um, anymore. And you see the people who uh, 
propagate this theory are usually rival GMs who have no motivation, I'm sure, to want to break up Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So you look at the on-offs, you look at the the lineup data when Tatum and Jalen are on the floor together this season, and it's like the best, plus 7.7, I think. I, think, I, I just I don't think that that is a problem. I think a lot of teams would love to have two dynamic, two-way wings who can create their own shot. They're not perfect players. The playmaking aspect and the ability to to elevate those around them needs to improve. They're both still young. Neither is in their prime yet. I think all of this should be factored into the discussion. But if you're the Celtics and you're trying to get to true title contention, I don't think that trading... I, I think it's a lateral move, honestly, to move Jalen for someone like Fox who... I think would be great. I do agree. I think he would be a really interesting, positive fit. But if you're trying to add him, and this is where they get into their little bit, a little bit of a conundrum, you got to move everything else to try to get him, right? Like, so I would be looking, if I were Brad Stevens, I would be packaging Smart and Rob Williams and, uh, and Neesmith or Langford and all on a bunch of picks. If I was really interested in getting Fox, or if I was really interested in getting, you know, Damian Lillard, or with the um, Washington Wizards sputtering and Bradley Beal situation looking, I don't know. I don't know how this is impacting his situation, to be honest. But, but you're sure saying that you would have to keep those top two guys instead of moving Brown to try to get somebody else as a replacement for him, right? To try I to stay because you don't see him as a contender outside of that. Right, I don't I don't think that just I think it's more lateral than anything and I think that sure. it devalues what Jalen Brown is and how he gets better every year and he's been hurt for pretty much all this year and the Celtics five man data suggests that they're incredible when healthy. So I guess that's how I feel about that. What are your thoughts on I guess the what are your thoughts on the Fox for Jalen theoretical there? Um, and what path do the Celtics have to actually getting to title contention in your eyes? Mm. Um, I'm kind of with you on the, the part about, I mean, I just really hate losing Jalen Brown, quite frankly. I, I still think I'd, even if you did nothing, I'd prefer to probably see one more year of this where if, if you had to, where it's like, okay, you've got this core here. You see what's doable here where everybody's healthy. And I know that, you know, it hasn't been the whole year that they've been banged up. But, you know, like you said, there are aspects of it that certainly work. It's not perfect. You'd like – you'd see moments where the ball sticks, which, you know, Marcus Bart kind of sounded the alarm on that very early. Um, but to me, yeah, Fox doesn't do it for me. I also think Fox is you, – you and I had a, a conversation about him a couple of weeks ago. It's not been the greatest year for him either. Um you know, maybe that is something where he just needs a change of scenery. Who knows? But there, like, you could maybe talk me into it if you were really doing something that's kind of moving heaven and parts of earth as well, where you're going after Fox, but you're also getting another piece back from them. Maybe it means you have to give up more in doing that too. But that's a huge haul if you're the Celtics and it's fundamentally remaking your team. 
at that point. And I don't, mm-hmm. you know, but it like they've got other pieces on that team. You and I have had conversations about the way we did our top 100 and the initial way we voted it, um, or were at least screening it. We had like seven guys from the Kings on on there, which was like as much, if not more, than any other team. So there's a lot of talent there. I would probably be really interested in like a Harrison Barnes. Um, you know, I don't know if it's even realistic or what you'd even have to do to try to get somebody like him and Fox back. Um, but I, I don't think I'd be interested in a straight up. I just don't. I De'Aaron by himself, if you could just get him, obviously you could just take him and kind of just replant him in a new field. Sure, but not for Jalen. I, I don't know. I, I just still feel like there aren't enough guys in the league that are better two-way players than he is, and I don't like trading two-way guys for guys that are, like, really good on one side of the ball and, like, okay on the other. I just don't, especially at a position where there are enough good point guards in the league. I, I probably am not making that move. I, I'm just not. Yeah, I just think Jalen's better. Um, yeah. And he's on a better contract. He's not on a max contract, which is. It I thought that was like a coup when the Celtics signed it. Um, he was coming off a pretty interesting, not great season, and to get him extended on a non-max deal when right before he had kind of the All-Star breakout, I thought was like really smart of them. But I guess like beyond that. Um, if I were the Celtics, I, I I guess like I'm not like like panicking about too much. Like I agree with I agree with what uh, Benjamin wrote here about um, they whiffed on a lot of picks and whiffing on you know if you draft instead I've said this so many times but if you draft Matisse Thybul instead of Carson Edwards. And you draft Desmond Bain instead of Peyton Pritchard. And you get Tyler Hero instead of Romeo Langford, who I know Hero was selected one pick before Romeo Langford. Or you take Sadiq Bay instead of Aaron Neesmith. Your whole team just like like what this team looks completely different. Um and I think that all that matters. I think that a lot of the players who are there are on pretty good contracts, everyone's movable. Um, when healthy, everything looks pretty good. The defensive rating for the starting five, which has only played uh, 87 minutes this season, is 89.5 and is really good. And the net rating is 20.6. So I just, I just like. Yeah, this team probably needs some more shooting. I think you can look at some of the shooters who've been really bad and think that they'll be a little bit better. Grant Williams is like the third best catch-and-shoot three-point shooter um, in the NBA right now. He's been incredible, shooting like 45%. Um, so he looks like he's he's hit as a, as a pretty quality draft pick, I will say. But like I'm just... I guess like I'm just trying to say like I'd be a little bit more patient if I was a Celtics and I wouldn't be panicking about what they if need to do. If you were a Celtics fan, I'm just kidding. If I was a Celtics fan, <laughs> yes, let me <laughs> I'm messing with you. I'm messing. <laughs> but I'm I'm personally just I'm I'm you know, I'm rolling with it. I think that when healthy things look better. Jason Tatum still has moments where 
he looks terrific. He has moments where you wish there was something that was clicking more consistently with him. But given his age, given Jalen's age, I'm still not like I'm just not ready to smash that button. Let me I'm, ask you something, Boston. Let sure. me ask you something because we we know Boston and how they've handled stuff in the past, but now they they technically do have a different person running the basketball operations side now. Do you think on this trajectory that they do end up making a trade given where they are? Or do you think they just stand pat? So I wrote about this in my column the other day about players who are trade eligible. One of the players is Dennis Schroeder. And Dennis Schroeder is making about $6 million this year. They do not have his bird rights. He's going to be a free agent. He's played really well. He's their third leading scorer. They're not going to be able to keep him. So do you package that with another salary, another couple salaries, and try to get someone who is on a long-term deal um, who will be on the team for the foreseeable future? I could see them making a trade like that. For example, if the Portland Trailblazers were like, you know what, this isn't working. We just signed Norm Powell to this like 90 million five-year contract, and we're going to be shipping Dame out soon. Or we're shipping, whatever. We're we're things are are changing right now with our team. Getting Dennis Schroeder, comparable talent, much cheaper, less cap, uh, cap sheet stressing contract. Um, Schroeder, you know, um, Hernan Gomez is making like seven million dollars, which he does. He never plays, so no one realizes that. But that's a salary to move. And one of the young guys, Langford or Neesmith, and you have yourself a deal right there um, that I think is interesting and could be beneficial for uh, for everybody. So I think that I could see them making a deal like that, honestly, or I could see them making a deal to just duck the tax because uh, they're just like, uh, what are they, $6 million over the tax, something like that. If you're not a contender, you're $6 million over the tax. Just get under the tax. Um, I could see them having that mentality. I... I you know, I think that they should have offers that do not include Jalen out there for guys like Fox, for guys like Ben Simmons, um, for, you know, Lillard and Beal. I don't think that those are necessarily realistic, but I think that those should be phone calls that you're making. And there's there's some other ideas that are, are out there. But, yeah, like I, that's, you know, I just think that, Patience is kind of the key here, and the expectations are really high coming into the season. And we'll see what happens. It's still early, and there's there was the adjustment period of uh, a new system, a new coach with Ime Udoka. And I think defensively, we've seen some a lot of positive steps forward with the personnel that they have, and I want to see them healthy for a significant stretch here, and then we can kind of assess or they can kind of assess too much nuance michael i don't i don't understand how you live in a world <laughs> where you see the world in anything other than black and white but yeah I've, teams should be reluctant when they've got net ratings that look like that when you've actually got guys healthy and you don't feel like you're dealing with something that's just a chronic chronic situation with somebody so i don't blame me for for having that approach and uh it'll be interesting to see what they do because they've Obviously, a ton of talent, man. There's a lot of talent there, but it makes sense to try to make stuff work with that before you just start going around. And it, w- it would be a move. I'll, I'll say that. 
like for somebody like Fox, um, it would fundamentally shake that team up a lot. But um, you don't have too many teams that have like a top two with that sort of all-around talent that that Boston does. So you, you want to be – I would be hesitant at best, you know, to, as far as trying to get off that, just trying to get away from that just because I think there's time. So Perfect. Well, I think that's going to do it for today's show, Chris. Thank you so much for all of your wonderful insight. I love having conversations about basketball with you. Um, thank you so much to our wonderful listeners. We have a couple leftover emails here that we're going to get to at a future time, including one from David about Zion that I thought was really interesting. We just didn't have enough time today, so shout out to you, David. Um Everyone keep the emails coming in to openfloormail at gmail.com, openfloormail at gmail.com. Everybody stay safe. Everybody continue to enjoy the NBA season. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 